What's up, bitches? This is Sierra. And what's up, bitches? This is Morgan. And this is Bitches, bitches and, Murders. and Murders. Not even close. I, th I okay. thought that sounded good. <laughs> I'm never right, though. I'm never right. Uh, so, guess what? What? I'm going to talk about a cold case that I, I could have swore I was never going to talk about. Oh, no. We're going to talk about John Vinay Ramsey. Oh, no. I swore I was never going to talk about it, but then I watched a documentary <sighs> that introduced some real fuckery and theories, and now we're here. To me? I know. I'm sorry. For anybody who doesn't know, John Vinay Ramsey is a six year old beauty pageant kid uh, that died unfortunately very sad um and we're gonna we're gonna unpack some of that so <sighs> we start our story december 26th of 1996 um john and patsy ramsey woke up early to prepare for a family trip and when they woke up they discovered excuse me I thought I had another one. Uh, they discovered that John Bonet was not in her bed, which is a terrifying discovery as a parent to find that your six-year-old is not in their bed. Um, so Patsy makes her way downstairs and on like the bottom stair is where she finds a three-page ransom note, which we're going to unpack later, um, sitting on the stairs demanding $118,000 for the safe return of John Bonet. So, Patsy calls the police and reports her daughter missing. They arrive at about 5.55 a.m. and they begin searching. Um, friends and families of the Ramseys are also alerted and arrive and are trying to help with the search. Um, at 1 p.m., John goes into the basement and finds the body of John Bonet in the wine cellar. So, that's kind of our base facts. That's our base. That's our so, foundation. Got it. Now now we're going to break some of that stuff down because there's a whole lot of fuckery. Um, so we're going to start by breaking down the initial search. And oh boy, was this done so fucking wrong. So wrong. <laughs> um, I'm also going to put out the warning that from here on out, there are, are going to be some pretty extensive details about a child getting murdered and assaulted if that is not something you are comfortable with i have no qualms with you skipping forward to like the theories portion of this if you don't want to hear like the nitty-gritty details again there's going to be some in-depth discussion about a child murder and assault if you are not comfortable with that this is your chance and thrice and you can just skip the whole thing if you need to <laughs> Yeah. Don't even feel like you have to skip ahead. You can just skip it if you need to. That's fine. Yeah. If this is not your episode, please, 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 please do not feel like you have to sit through it. Um, and for the third and final time, because I'm trying to give you guys adequate time to make your decision, there will be discussion of child murder and assault. That was your third and final chance. I love you guys. We're going to move on. So. As I stated, police arrived at 5.55 in the morning and they did an initial search of the house and found that there was no sign of forced entry. 
Reportedly, Officer Rick French went into the basement, looked at the door to the wine cellar, and walked away without opening it. I want you to just marinate on that one for a second. (laughs) He looked at the door and walked away. I'm going to need so much more mental fortitude to get through this. I hate this case so fucking much. You want to hear his explanation when he was asked, why didn't you open the fucking door? What? Well, he was looking for an exit route for the kidnapper um, the or that the kidnapper would have used. And since that door was latched, he ruled it out. Like, bitch. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that like okay i get it it makes sense one of the things you should be doing as you go through the house is you should be figuring out the possible routes that the kidnapper could have used to escape from the building especially escaping from the building like with her whatever Mm -hmm. you know what i mean however (laughs) that doesn't mean that you shouldn't also investigate the whole entire fucking house right and like you don't you don't know what's behind that door like those fucking cellar doors had those like stupid latch things so like they easily could have closed it behind them and the latch fell down and relatched itself mm-hmm. a like, lot of them have automatic latches yeah like you have no fucking idea that that cellar door could have led to a room that had one of those like the you know the thing that opens on the outside of the house like those little trap door seller things could have been one of those 100 could have been one of those and you just looked at it and went nah, whatever and you walked away walked away you bitch you <laughs> moving bitch. on <laughs> so around 8 a.m detective Linda Arnett arrives at the scene and is anticipating having to, you know, negotiate with kidnappers and receiving more directions. Um, There was never an attempt by anyone to claim the money. Nobody ever, like, reached out and gave them further directions. There was, you know, nothing ever came from that ransom note. Um, (laughs) Are you ready for this? You're going to love this. The only part of the house that was cordoned off was John Bonet's room. The rest of the house was open to all of the friends and family that were coming through trying to be helpful. Why was not... Well, hold on. <laughs> that was not to come out the right sense. <laughs> How would you not immediately clear everyone out of the house? Like, even, like, as the, like, 911 operator on the phone, that would have been, like, the first shit I said. Get everybody out of the fucking house. Oh, by the way, um, police police were updating the parents on how the investigation was going before they were separated and interviewed. Well, I feel like, unfortunately, that's not the best strategy, but I feel like that's not insanely uncommon unfortunately it it shouldn't be but i feel like that's not that uncommon yeah so around 1 p.m uh one of the officers instructs john to kind of walk through the house uh 
Um, see if there's anything that seems amiss because obviously it's their house. They know, you know, where things are supposed to be. Um, and I don't have qualms with this. What I have qualms with is that they did not send an officer with him. It was him and one of his friends that were walking around the house trying to look for things that looked out of place. Which leads to the next point of fuckery. John Bonet, John Bonet, ah, no, John, the father, um, is the one to find John Bonet's body. He opens that cellar door and finds her covered in a white sheet. She has duct tape over her mouth and she has a nylon nylon cord around her wrists and her neck. Um, and the nylon cord around her neck is attached to a paintbrush because they made a garage. This I do not fault him for. Again, I fault the police for not having an officer with him to stop him from doing this. When he finds her body, he immediately picks her up and takes her upstairs. Which, again, I do not fault him for this. He is a grieving father. He just found his dead daughter. I do not fault him for this. I fault the police who did not have a fucking officer with him to stop him from disturbing a crime scene. Also, just, like, why were they still, like, none of them should have been in the house from, like, the very first second that they were, like, where is she? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It should have just been, like, okay, wait for the police on the front lawn. Mm-hmm. And then, like, not let them back in until the whole house had been searched. Because a lot of times they don't even let them back in for days. Yeah. They might, like, let them in supervise for just a minute to, like, pack up some clothes or something. Right. But a lot of times they won't even let people do that. So it's like, why the fuck were they allowed at all to even just be in the house? Mm-hmm. Like, all of that searching should have done, been done without them even in the house. Yeah. So that uh, that was wrong. Everything about all of that was wrong. <laughs> and if somebody from the police department ends up hearing this, I just want you to know you could have done better. And I think you know you could have done better. So... After they find her body, this obviously goes from a kidnapping to a murder investigation. Um, And so both parents and her brother, Burke, all provided handwriting, blood, and hair samples to police. And then were taken for formal interviews. So. This brings us to our ransom note um, that was found. And there's, there's a lot of fuckery with the ransom note. And it's, I'm just going to read it verbatim and then we'll unpack it. So bear with me. Okay. Okay. Read it to me. So the ransom note is, quote, Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We do respect your businesses, spelled incorrectly, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession, not spelled correctly. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want to see, if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 will be in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size. It's A T T A C H E. I'm not sure what that was supposed to be. Attaché. It's okay. like a, uh, like a, what are those called? Like a briefcase. Oh, I didn't know that was a real word. I thought mm-hmm. that was just some fuckery. Okay, moving on. Um, 
Adquisize attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier delivery crossed out pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you to not provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try to dis- letter. I know it was three pages. Jesus Christ. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good Southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory, exclamation point, SBTC. You know what vibes this is giving me so hard? Hmm. This reminds me, and I did like a weird in-depth report on this in like seventh grade history, Um, but this is giving me big Lindbergh baby vibes. Do you remember that case? No. So back in, oh fuck, hold on, I gotta look up the year. <laughs> the, I don't know the year off the top of my head, but okay. there's a really famous uh, Charles Lindbergh is a really famous pilot back in the day. I think he was actually famous for, um, uh, like flying like blimps and stuff. Okay. Uh, and he was like part of the military, super big, okay. super famous. Um, his infant son was stolen out of his nursery. Same mm-hmm. thing. So the baby was stolen. They couldn't find the baby right away. They got a ransom note that was not as long and detailed as that. But it, it was a ransom note basically being like, we're going to do all these crazy things to your baby unless you pay us. Mm-hmm. Um, but they ended up finding the baby later on. And basically what they did is they stole the baby and then they dumped the baby in a ditch like a couple streets away, if I remember correctly. Um, but okay. they were like had all these ransom notes and stuff being like you know pay us and you'll get your baby back but like the whole time like the baby was dead just like pretty much right away within less than an hour of being kidnapped the baby was already deceased you know what I mean mm-hmm. like it's giving me kind of like those vibes just like the the baby was dead the whole time but they get this weird crazy ransom note and like what do you mean you're talking about his businesses because that's the reason they stole the baby too is because they like the dad was like this big shot so like about him having businesses and stuff also made me think of it i was like weird yeah well um oh also this was in 1932 oh okay um we'll unpack some details of that a little bit more later because it kind of feeds into one of the theories that recently has come up um but the whole thing just strikes me as odd. 
like 118 is a weird amount and again i'll unpack that later um but it just i don't know i just get such weird vibes from the ransom note yeah it's 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 a strange note like touches on a lot of things that don't really matter feels like a lot of like grandstanding and the like you talk to this person your baby dies you talk to this person your baby dies you do that you know what i mean like okay we get it like it's right it's ransom now yeah we get (laughs) it okay you kill the baby if i don't pay you like i dude the if we catch you talking to a stray dog she dies like bro what yeah like it just seems so like verbose and unnecessary like i think we all know how a ransom note works like yeah. it's kind of implied right away like if you don't pay yeah. it that something bad is going to happen to whoever gets kidnapped like you don't really have yeah. to specify <laughs> like yeah um so we're gonna move on from that because i don't want to unpack it too much because it does play into some of the theories that have come up so we're gonna move on um and Next, I have some quotes from the autopsy report. Um, So our primary cause of death is ligature strangulation with abrasions and petechial hemorrhages on the neck. Um, Our secondary is craniocerebral injuries, um, scalp contusions, linear comminated fracture of right side of the skull, um, linear patterns of contusions of right cerebral hemisphere, and subdural hemorrhage, um, small contusions at the tips of the temporal lobes. So that's all really fancy speak for she was strangled and she also had a skull fracture that was going to kill her if she wasn't strangled. Right. <laughs> for our not sciencey friends. Um, some other things to note from her autopsy report is there is an abrasion on her right cheek and abrasions and contusions on the posterior right shoulder, um, an abrasion on the left lower back and posterior of the left lower leg, and abrasions and vascular congestion of the vaginal mucosa. Um, Her toxicology screen was completely negative for alcohol and drugs. Um, And then the one detail that people get so, so hooked on um, is in the GI tract, the gastric mucosa is autolyzed but contains no areas of hemorrhage or ulceration, which is great. It means she wasn't punched in the stomach at any point. Um, there is yellow to light green tan apparent vegetable or fruit material, which may, may, as in we're not sure, but it might represent fragments of pineapple. So, it's, uh, pineapple aside, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, I feel like it sounds like because I was trying to really like picture where all those wounds are. Yeah, if you need me to repeat through it, like let me know. It seems like my first, my very first impression from that would be that someone like probably hit her, um, like somewhere around the head, like in mm-hmm. in you know in the head somehow, maybe even a couple of times. Maybe she was crying or like upset. It seems mm-hmm. like they like maybe picked her up and then it like tossed her down really hard on the floor because otherwise I feel like that makes the most sense for like the shoulder and like the little bit of the leg and like the back right there. You know what I mean? So I was going to try to save this fact for later, but I think I have to like give it out now. Um, a former detective tested a stun gun on anesthetized pigs 
and found that the marks that it left were identical to the ones found on her lower left back and her um, cheek. Oh. I didn't know yeah. they were like that kind of mark. Mm-hmm. I just kind of assumed it was bruising. That's on me. Mm-hmm. No, they're like little burn marks that mm. are like Okay. That's way different than what I was marks. imagining. Yeah. I was trying to save that for later to kind of be like, haha, but I have to say it now. So probably what happened was that they hit her with the stun gun. I'd probably say on her right side first, like on her cheek. And it wasn't enough to like send her down maybe, or maybe it was just enough to startle her and she tries to run, which is how she gets the second set of stun gun marks on her left lower back. And then that's why all of her major injuries are on her right side is because she just like went down. See, that would make sense. Like if maybe they went to go like hit her with it and then she pulled away at the last second. So like it Mm -hmm. burned her, but like just kind of barely as she like jerked away from it. Yeah. Yeah, that that would make sense. And especially like someone bigger than a child mm-hmm. like tackling a child as they try to run away is like definitely gonna leave marks you know like, it would make mm-hmm. sense that she would get injured from that right which i think explains the like um the comminated fracture on the right side of her skull because if she went down she either stuff the floor yeah that's what i was thinking yeah which don't kidnap children but if you're gonna kidnap children don't use a fucking stun gun you pussy it Honestly, is a child. Taylor, Taylor's <laughs> tasers are rarely effective, and even in like self defense circumstances, yeah. I feel like there are much better self defense weapons than a taser. Oh, for sure. So, this next section is just titled "Random Evidence." Do with it what you will, because <laughs> this is just all of the random shit, right? Because this. That. This investigation was botched from the get-go. So. Oh, really? We couldn't tell so far. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. So random evidence. Do with it what you will. Um, There was... Do you remember how, like, how old houses had those, like, window wells into the basement? Like, that one, like, kind of bigger window that you could, like, crawl out to the outside if you needed to? I have have window wells in my house. Right. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that is open that one into the basement and there's a shoe scuff mark on the wall like under the window and then under that there's a suitcase that looks like that looks like it was placed there um which two investigators suggested that it was placed as like a step to get out um on the suitcase and in the dirt next to john benet's body because for anybody who's not familiar with like midwestern housing if you have a wine cellar in your basement, it's not paved. Like, it's just dirt. Um, so in the dirt and on the suitcase is the same boot print. And it's from the brand High Tech, which neither John nor Burke own. Sorry, I forgot the brother's name for a second. Burke. I don't blame you. It's kind of a weird one. <laughs> um. So that boot print is found. Um, Leaves and packing peanuts were found in the grate, like outside of the window, as well as on and around the suitcase in the basement. 
Hmm. I thought I could feel a hiccup or building, but maybe not. Oh, I hate when that we happens. You just get that like sense <laughs> of doom where you're like, I feel like it's coming. <laughs> Literally. Um, so after an incident where John had locked himself out of the house, they placed a Heidi key like under a rock on the porch. On the morning of the murder, the key was missing. Um, the alarm was not set the night before. I don't know why I said I had the tone like I had a third thing. It was just those two things. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Um, so yeah, the key's missing and they didn't set the alarms before they went to bed. Which, like, to be fair, they went to a Christmas party and like I don't know if you've ever been to a Christmas party, but that shit's socially exhausting. I would probably yeah, like, like maybe they were just at... really tired when they got home. <laughs> like I would forget to do so many things. <laughs> um a flashlight not belonging to the Ramses was found on the kitchen counter, um, as well as a canvas bag not belonging to them was found in a crawl space. Um, a neighbor found a latex glove in their trash can, like, in the alley. So, like, there are those, like, Victorian houses that have the, like, little itty-bitty alleys in between the houses where you, like, put your trash cans out. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Great. So in their trash can in the alley, the neighbor finds a latex glove and is like, this isn't fucking mine. <laughs> um, so wait, sorry. Go I'm ahead. Interrupt. What, no, you're fine. What did her dad do again? Will you remind me? Like, what was his job? Yeah. I. Do we know? Or looked that up. I decided it was insignificant. Um, but let me see if I can find out real quick. Yeah, because now I'm so I'm still stuck on the like in the ransom letter when they were like talking about like his businesses and stuff. And I was like, because honestly, um, it sounds like a grown man, like broken, obviously, or at least it was set up to look like a grown man broken or whatever. He was the president and chief executive CEO for fuck's sake, uh, president and CEO of Access Graphics, um, which was a computer service company and a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. Um, he was also a naval officer. Okay, um, so there there are like legitimate people who could be after him. Like he's a very yeah. very very high ranking like business official. He was a, a high ranking mm -hmm. like officer in the navy. I was trying to like see if that even made sense. I'm like, why would grown men even be targeting this person but i yeah. can see people being like yeah that dude's got a lot of money yeah um yeah and then an unidentified pubic hair was found on the blanket that she was covered with um as well as unidentified male dna was found in her underwear um i already told you about the stun gun because i was trying to hide that for later but i couldn't um, so the weird thing with the ransom note that is another detail that everybody kind of gets hung up on is that it looks like it was written with a pen and pad of paper from the home. Um, the pen was wiped clean of fingerprints and the pad had seven missing pages, um, which they assumed were like practice notes that were never found. Right. That they ended up just burning probably or something. Mm -hmm. See, yeah. and I won't, I won't, until we get to the end, I won't say what I think <laughs> happened 
necessarily because I do have an opinion on this, but like, Fair. I don't know, something never really rang that true to me about those, like this whole, yeah, ransom situation. That's um, all I'll say about it for right now, but it just seems <laughs> so convenient. The amount requested in the ransom note, which was $118,000 for anyone who didn't remember, uh, was the amount that John had received as a holiday bonus the previous year. Which, okay. To be fair, I feel like that could be explained both ways. Because obviously you could explain that as like they wrote the ransom note. They mm-hmm. they picked out an amount of money that they knew that they had or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get it. But also it's like, I guess you could also make the argument that it's like maybe it's somebody that he worked with who like had access to payroll documents. Right. Or People at workplaces talk. Like it's not that weird to like know how much money your like coworker made, you know, mm-hmm. especially in a situation like that where that person's that high up and people might be upset about how much they're making Mm -hmm. I feel like that shit makes its way down the gossip train so the toxic gossip train literally I'm so sorry but Um, so I'm not gonna say my opinion on which one I think it is but I guess I can see that from both sides of the argument um there was a bowl of pineapple found in the kitchen with Burke's fingerprints on it but I everybody gets so fixated on that detail and I think it's so insignificant like the she ate burke's pineapples yeah he murdered her in the basement because of it bro no (laughs) because also wasn't he like only a couple years older than her (laughs) yeah he also just like wasn't that much bigger than her and like where the fuck would this like literal child have gotten a stun gun literally like a literal baby basically (laughs) because wasn't he like eight when this happened Something like that, like eight or nine. Yeah, like he was like not he, that much older than her. I don't think he was even in like double digits. So it's like no. I really <laughs> don't see them being like, "Hey, let's give our eight-year-old a stun gun." Yeah. Um, and then there were fibers from John Bonet's clothes found in the suitcase that was by the window. Um, so the the documentary I watched kind of creates this narrative that it was a failed kidnapping um so they came in they wrote the ransom note they tried to kidnap her they for whatever reason couldn't get it done whether because they you know accidentally used too much force and they killed her or she didn't fit in the suitcase or they couldn't get the suitcase to the window whichever narrative you want to pick it failed um so they ditched her in the cellar and then left Yeah, that does does not really make sense. Yeah. Like so, who who comes to a kidnapping not already having a ransom note ready? Like that just doesn't seem right. Yeah. So this brings us to our theories portion. Um, and I am not going to touch on every single theory that there is out there because believe you, there are fucking many. Um, I'm also not going to touch on any of the theories about it being one of the family members, A, because those have been beaten to death over and over again. That might not have been the best phrase. Um, And B, because the DA looked at the family for 12 years 
and has officially declared them not part of it and actually wrote a formal letter of apology to the family for causing them so much distress and for having them be a person of interest for so long. Um, And the third and final reason and the most important one is that there is a family member that will sue you for defamation if you imply that it was anybody within the family. So we're just not going to talk about those theories. Okay. Okay. Moving on. So the intruder theories, at least my favorite ones that I could find. um, Yeah, because there's like a million and a half of them. There's a million and one. and these theories get more convoluted the farther I go. So you're in for a roller coaster. Uh, so the first one that is a very popular theory, however, um, his DNA didn't match the one found on the scene. So he's kind of a, you know, gone with the wind theory. Um, so it is Gary Oliva. I have to force my brain to not say Olivia. Um was a known sex offender that was living in Boulder at the time. I don't think I mentioned that this was in Colorado. My bad. But he was in Boulder, Colorado at the time. Um, And he was arrested in 2000 on drug charges. And police allegedly found a magazine cutout of John Bonet in his backpack during that arrest. Um, Weird. Don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. he was soon released after that because it was just drug charges, so they weren't going to, like, hold him for anything. Um, but there was a high school friend that claimed that Gary had called him and was, like, super distraught and just kept repeating, like, I heard a little girl. I heard a little girl. Um, and that same friend was very concerned because the knots used on the garrote were similar to the ones that Gary had used when he t- attempted to choke his mom with a telephone cord. But you said this guy definitely didn't do it, right? His DNA is not a match for the DNA found at the crime scene. But playing devil's advocate, I feel like the knots that you can use to choke somebody with a cord are very few. Right. That are like you only have so many options. I feel like I think don't get me wrong, this is not a good dude. But I don't think he did it. You know what's something I was literally just thinking about that's never really crossed my mind before, but, like, after these last two episodes, like, I'm really thinking about it. It's crazy to me how normalized it is for men committing just, like, (laughs) heinous acts of violence. Uh, Just in the sense that, like, any time there's, like, a crime like this, it's, like, there's always, like, a whole... A whole slew of people it could be because there's so many men who have committed so many creepy or shitty or like heinous actions at any given point in any given area that it's like they have a whole grab bag of people to choose from you know what i mean and it's just like and this is why we understand that it's not all men, but it's fucking enough of you that we have every right to be terrified when we see you on the street. Yeah, like, and it's like, it'll be like a case with like the most like, like this, like the most specific, like niche details. And somehow there are still like <laughs> dozens of men in the local area yeah. who it easily could have been and who easily have done creepy things that exactly pertain to that case. Mm hmm. And it's like, and it's any case. 
it's any given case. Like that's like 99% of the reason that cold cases are so hard is that there's so many. It's not that there's not always, but it's not usually that there's no options. It's that there's so many options. Yeah. That it's hard to even know what direction it is because really it could be about any other person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think at one point I read an article that said that they had like 1,600 suspects and it's like, that's fucking disgusting. That is disgusting. Like, look at the fucking last case. They had 50,000, 50,000 like witness statements they took. They interviewed like 5,000 people and Mm -hmm. still like nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This fucking hurts my yeah. whole heart and soul. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to move on from Gary and we're going to talk about theory number two Michael Helgoth. Uh, he worked at a nearby junkyard and he was allegedly tied to a property dispute involving the Ramses, but I couldn't find a whole lot of information about that. So allegedly. Um, and John Kennedy, who is a friend of his, felt that he had something to do with it um, and notes that he remembers having like these weird conversations with Michael where he would say like out-of-pocket shit like he wanted to feel what it was like to crack a skull. So, hate that. Um, He also stated that Michael kept making comments about being super excited for Christmas and that he was going to come into about five to $6,000. Um. And according to Kennedy, because there's too many Johns in this case, (laughs) according to Kennedy, Michael changed his appearance shortly after the murder. So he had like blonde hair and kind of a shaggier cut. But after the murder, he had like he dyed it black and had like a high and tight. So there's all of that. So, like, if he was worried about someone having spotted him, having committed a crime. Right. Conveniently changes his look. Yeah. Um, So, and Michael can be connected to Todd Foose, which there will be more on him later. Um, Unfortunately, we will never know for sure if Michael had something to do with it or not. Um, because two days after the DA held a press conference where they stated that they were zeroing in on a suspect. He killed himself. Hmm. Convenient timing. Yeah. Um, but they did find a stun gun in the same brand of boots with his body. Um, and the reason that we will never, ever know is that his family declines to provide a DNA sample. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Dead bodies have more body light, bodily autonomy than women do. It's fine. <laughs> and we can't. Is there not like a statute on that? There's not like so many years and then we can exhume them. No, no, I think you always need family permission. Yeah. Which makes sense because most of the time the police aren't doing their job right. So I wouldn't want to give them that power. But also, yeah. How the fuck are you going to cock block like one of the biggest cases <laughs> in Colorado? Yeah. Like easily one of the biggest cases in Colorado, let alone one of the biggest cases in the entire fucking nation. Yeah. So it's just like. So I'm not, like, saying that he had anything to do with it. I'm just saying it's really suspicious that he killed himself two days after a press conference where they said they were zeroing in on a suspect. And also that, like, Also the comment about wanting to know what it feels like to crack a human skull. Like, bro, what the fuck? 
Well, and I feel like it honestly just makes him look guiltier that his family's blocking it. Because it's like, if I truly thought my family member was innocent, then I'd be like, yeah, absolutely take their DNA. Because it's not like they need more than like tiny little samples to take DNA. It's not like you're, they're cutting him in half or something. You know what I mean? Like, it would be small samples. Devil's advocate on that one. It's painful to lose a family member. That's true. You're and not necessarily thinking like that clearly. Super either. painful to find out that somebody that you loved and cared about could have possibly killed a six-year-old little girl. I just feel like I couldn't not know. And I couldn't do someone else's family yeah, that but dishonor not of not answering like. that question when what I would lose from it is so insignificant yeah. from what they could gain. But not everybody thinks like we do. True. Some people uh, suck. Yeah. a little bit and don't care about like i just i don't understand why you wouldn't like fuck mm-hmm. fuck the entire nation fuck everyone <laughs> else like literally make making a secret agreement make an agreement that sign an nda where they can like you will allow them to process the dna but only if the like the results stay private or something yeah. you know what i mean like that's fine i don't <laughs> even care if i know but they should know. The Ramseys. If you can know. provide yeah. that knowing with such a small little thing. Yeah. You know, just a tiny little sample. Yeah. So you wouldn't do that. Like, I don't know. That yeah. that really hangs me up. <laughs> so that brings us to theory 2.5, uh, which is Todd Foose, which is the guy that I mentioned knowing Michael. So Todd Foose is brought into the mix by a prison informant uh, named Bernice Johnson, who is doing time for the attempted murder of Todd. So. Grain of salt? (laughs) Fair. Uh, But Bernice wrote a letter to police saying that she had info on the case and that it was a kidnapping gone wrong. So she states that she met Todd in 1993 when she hired him to do some work for her. Um, They ended up developing a relationship, moving in together, and having a daughter named Cinnamon. They entered Cinnamon into beauty pageants, the same beauty pageants that John Bonet was at. I just wanted to enjoy something for five seconds. Nope. Uh, so Bernice states that she often caught Todd hanging out by the older girls' dressing rooms, which is gross. Um, I think it's worth noting Todd has a pretty extensive criminal history, um, including felony assault, domestic violence, DUIs, and a new criminal charge that I think is now my new favorite criminal charge, um, menacing. Ooh. I like I that's not- right up there with hooliganism. I didn't know that that was a real crime. Like, I was like, oh, haha, this article just didn't get it right. And then I looked it up and menacing is actually a criminal charge that you can get. Is it like I, just being threatening, basically? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love that. Love it. <laughs> um, per Bernice, uh, he was able to pick locks and he had a history of breaking into houses. So strike two. Um to back up her story because you know she's in prison for trying to kill this guy she is not under any guise that they're gonna take her as credible so she tells investigators hey 
there is a shed that has all of my documents. It has been locked up for the last 10 years. And if you go there, you're going to find that I'm telling the truth. So they go there. And sure as shit, there is pictures of Cinnamon at these beauty pageants. Um, She won like cutest baby or something like that because she was in it when she was like a year old. Um, There's like documentation of her and Todd's whole relationship. Like her story checks, which I hate. So... According to Bernice, in the weeks leading up to John Bonet's murder, Todd had been bragging about how he was going to come into some money. Um, and then after the murder, she says that he was pretty like upset and like pretty grumpy and was just kind of like. Um, and when she asked about the money, he said that it didn't come through the way that he had hoped. So. I don't like how all these dots are lining up. Yeah. So. Bernice does not feel like he did this alone. And this is where Michael comes in. So Bernice states that Todd had taken her to that junkyard on multiple occasions and that he was friends with all of the guys there. Um, they I, He wasn't just like, hey, babe, let's go to a junkyard. She had this like old British car that needed parts. And so that's why they kept going to this junkyard. Um, so fortunately for me, in this documentary that I watched, he did agree to an interview with the investigators. Um, and the investigator notes kind of the same things that I was catching on to, which is that when he's asking like concrete questions, he makes like direct eye contact with the investigator, like has no problem looking straight at him when he's like, Oh, is this a picture of cinnamon is, you know, this a picture of her at a beauty pageant? Like no problems making direct eye contact. When he starts asking questions about the case, his eyes start fluttering. He won't make eye contact. He keeps looking over to the left. Um, when asked about the John Benet Ramsey case, he says he doesn't really remember a whole, whole lot of about it, which like, bro. Um, and he also says he doesn't know where he was that night. Bro. And then when the investigator tries to ask about the whole junkyard and Michael situation, he very quickly interrupts and is like, changes the narrative he's like i never took bernice there um the only time i went was with cinnamon when i needed parts for my motorcycle i don't even know who michael is and it's like you were real fucking quick to jump in and change that narrative guy real fucking quick also it just seems like those things are things that it could be easily disproven so it's like a weird thing to lie about yeah his uh dna was also inconclusive so love that moving on to theory number three ish 2.75 um because this is more information from bernice so (laughs) bernice not only brings todd into the equation she also brings scott carruthers into the equation which if you know this name good on you if you don't know this name Oh boy, let me tell you how much of a character this dude was. So, Scott is the leader and founder of the Beta Dominion Xenophilia Cult, or BDX for short. His Um, whole... Okay. Oh, don't you worry. His whole thing, whole thing, is that he is connected to aliens, and he is from the Victory Dimension. 
and he would quote unquote cultivate young women to bring quote unquote positive energy to the cult. Um, translation, he was just collecting sexual partners. Uh, he also taught his followers that cats were the way to communicate with aliens. Not sure how those two things add up, but you know, cats. Sure. Sounds as right as anything else, honestly, (laughs) when it comes to aliens. Do you need a minute? (laughs) Unpack all of that. No, it makes perfect sense. Of course we're talking about aliens. Great. Okay. Of course we're here. At one point, he had quote-unquote cultivated a 13-year-old girl to be a princess for the group. Um, And her father, thank fucking God, filed for custody against her mom and won. Uh, So he got his daughter away from from her mother and from the cult. You know, good for him. And according to Scott's driver, he went off the fucking rails when this happened. So much so that his driver called the cops on him and he did 18 months in prison for hiring a hitman to kill people that were, quote, a threat to the cult. okay and they just let him back out after that they're like yeah he's fine he can go back into society that'll be normal that'll be good yeah so according to cult to court documents sorry not cult court (laughs) court documents uh scott had a plan to kidnap a six-year-old girl Mm -hmm. um and this is where bernice comes back in she traveled with scott on a handful of occasions from colorado to maryland and vice versa um i just want to talk to bernice she sounds like she's lived a wild life yeah for real um she also knows that there are some things in the ransom note that make her suspicious that the cult is involved so the first one is that the ransom note is addressed to john and nobody else like if you'll remember that was weird it's addressed mr ramsey yeah um, and this she thinks also this is... wondered if it was maybe someone he like worked with because like that's something mm-hmm. that you would call like your boss. Yeah. So she said that raised red flags for her because you know Scott wouldn't have negotiated with a woman. They don't do negotiating. They bring in positive energy. Right, and only to men, yeah. of course. Um, but the real big one for her is the signature. So if you'll remember, the ransom note is signed victory exclamation point SBTC. Victory is the dimension that Scott claims to be from, as well as SBTC would stand for Scott Brook Truth Carruthers, um, which according to quite a few of the former cult members, Scott's middle name was Brooke, and he used truth a lot. Like, that was verbiage that he would use a lot as well as the um, countermeasures and tactics like the driver notes that that's something that he would say a lot. And Scott even wrote a book called Truth Notes. How, how did we get here? <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm so small. <laughs> So uh, Scott refused to speak to the investigators formally, um, but a producer from the documentary was able to kind of have a brief conversation with him that went 
I had nothing to do with it. If you have any other questions, you need to go through my lawyer, which is not looking good for you, my guy. Yeah, I don't really, I I don't blame him for not wanting to talk to anybody. He'd be like, (laughs) I am not self-incriminating, actually. (laughs) He knows that he would if he talked about it. Are you ready to move on from the cult? I, my brain hurts. (laughs) I have one more and then I promise we're done. Oh God. Okay. So the last one is Todd and Aaron Shonlau. Um, So these names were brought into the mix by a retired detective. Um, And this detective was looking into the cold case of Tracy Neef, which bullet points on that. uh, Tracy was dropped off at school, but never made it into the building. Um, according to witness statements, a guy trusted as Darth Vader put her into a van. I'm so, I'm so sorry. What? What part? I'm so- <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I hate this. You want me to just move on from Darth Vader? Wow. I I have questions. Why is he just as Darth Vader? I don't have what answers. Is, she, is, is the she John ben- Someone saw him put John Benet in the back of a van dressed as Darth Vader? No. Somebody saw Tracy. 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 Okay. Tracy was abducted by Darth Vader. I need you to cover that one next because I. Oh, have don't a- you worry. It's officially on my questions. list. So, during his investigation into Tracy, he comes across the brothers um, due to their involvement of the murder and sexual assault of Lacey Ruff in Hawaii. So, Aaron is currently in prison for the abduction, sexual assault, and murder of Lacey. Um, And Todd is just out and about in the world. Um, After the imprisonment of his brother, he leaves Hawaii and kind of moves from state to state. Um, we do know that he was in Colorado in 1996 and that he has 32 arrests just in the state of Colorado. Someone does this for fun. Yeah. So while he was drunk, he admitted to an ex-girlfriend that he had carried Lacey's body into the ocean. So he kind of admitted to having something to do with Lacey. Right. Um, and then Todd also admitted to the daughter of his ex-girlfriend that he knew something about the John Bonet case, and he made that admission in 2010. So the documentary that I watched tried to reach out to him. He denies any involvement in the case. Um, but it's really hard to overlook the similarities because all three girls are blonde hair, blue eyes. They're all under the age of eight, and they're all sexually assaulted and strangled to death. Right, like that is a lot of similarities. Yeah. Like two could be a coincidence, but three is getting a little weird. Yeah. So that's all I have. Um, so what do you think? Was it one of the Todds? A cult? Who the fuck knows? Once again, my brain hurts. Fuck. <laughs> oh god, my brain hurts. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Have an answer. I didn't have an answer before this, but I really don't have an answer now. <laughs> oh God! I f- like personally, 
before this, I thought that um, allegedly hot the pot he who shall not be named <laughs> Voldemort <laughs> did this. <laughs> um, but I, I, now I'm not so sure. Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know what I do think happened though and now I'm just more unsure than I was before but I'm not any more sure about anything else I'm so glad that I could provide absolutely no clarification I wanna go home I wanna go home <laughs> yeah uh, I was like, I'm going to just pick a straightforward case. And then I was like, ooh, a new documentary on John Bonet. Then I watched it. And I was like, nope. Apparently, we're going to unpack this. Wow. Thank you for making my hate my entire life for 57 minutes straight. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, no matter what theory you believe, I think we can all agree that we would have much better answers if this was not a botched investigation from the fucking second they stepped into that house. Oh, I absolutely agree. I I don't know why you do these things to me. <laughs> I go out of my way to find you the weirdest magicians I can. <laughs> And this is what you give me in return. Hey, I brought you a cult. You like cults? I do like cults, you're right. I do. I do like them a lot. Who would have guessed in a million years that somehow a cult could have been possibly attached to John Bonet Ramsey? Oh my. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There was also like a random off the wall theory that I didn't look into too much because I thought it was absurd. Um, but there was somebody that was like, oh, it could have been a pageant killer because John Bonet was so successful and blah, 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 blah. Like, bro, if she was like a teenager or even at like the collegiate level, I might buy into a pageant killer. But nobody's going to lose their shit over a fucking six year old. Or maybe they would. I I've don't seen know. dance moms. I disagree. I've seen dance moms. <laughs> I strongly disagree, actually. I, just... I think sometimes the craziest ones are the younger ones. Because at that point, it's pretty much just their parent, like, propelling them in the world. Yeah. Like, I don't think it would be, like, one of her fellow, like, like, the actual competitors, like, the actual kids that she's competing about. Like, it would be, like, their parents. And I feel like they're even crazier that young. Dude, wouldn't that be fucking wild if she was just killed by a competitor's parent? Yeah, it's just like killed by like Abby from Dance Mom, like the the Colorado equivalent of. Isn't Abby Lee in Colorado? I actually don't know. I I actually lied to you when I said I watched Dance Moms. I've heard of Dance Moms. I know what it's about. I've seen clips. I've never actually sat down and watched an episode. I was like, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you anything about it. Actually, I just know that they're crazy. I I feel like that's the least that doesn't that seems like one of the least likely options to me. I feel like the cult or the oh my god, I just forgot his name. Oh no, the original studio was in Pennsylvania. Like the last guy that you talked about, 
The one we Todd? just talked about. Yes, Sean Todd. Man. I was like, he had a really basic name. That guy. I feel like those are the two I, I feel like sound the most likely. I think it's a combination of evidence? two, 2.5, and three. <laughs> was that like Todd and Bernice got caught up in this fucking cult and they roped Michael in. Yeah, and then like it all just went to shit. Because <laughs> I, I just I cannot longer. <laughs> I like I'm genuinely like speechless. Like I I don't yeah. I don't know. I just I cannot overlook the fact that Michael killed himself two days after our press conference. Yeah, that just seems like, real, real suspicious. Especially mm-hmm. when they were kind of like pinpointing him. You know, like he was yeah. a, a a a viable suspect. I mean, they at that point they weren't looking at him too. Oh, it's far. more like after the-, the. So the DA like had this plan, right? That they were going to do this press conference and like, oh, we're zeroing in on a suspect because they thought it was going to like put pressure on the suspect to either like fuck up or expose himself or kill himself. Hmm. I genuinely don't know. I'm like gonna have to think about this for a while because I really don't know. I I don't know. I, I I like keep trying to search for better words than that, and I'm <laughs> genuinely coming up empty. Yeah, I'm gonna need y'all to run. Don't walk. Run to our Discord and let us know what you think because I cannot wait to have a fucking conversation about this. Yeah, for real. Because I my brain hurts. <laughs> We got a collective brain hurt instead. Yeah. So, um, stay spooky, but not, dude, not so fucking spooky that you put your one to five year old in a fucking beauty pageant. Actually, you know what? Don't fucking do it until they're like 18, eh, 16. I'll allow 16, but there's no reason for you to put your toddler into a beauty pageant. Um, be spooky. Not that fucking spooky. But- not so spooky that you don't um, evacuate the house when someone goes missing and then also search the entire house when someone goes missing. Yeah, not so fucking spooky that you look at a door in a basement and walk away from it. Not that fucking spooky. Like, these are very small requests I have here. (laughs) And I have just one more small request, and that is to follow us <laughs> on all of the things. <laughs> you have a thing, we have a thing. That was such you a cute segue. On that thing. I know, I'm really proud of it. It came in my head like as I was saying that sentence, and I was like, oh, I'm going to run with it. But yeah, go to our Beacons page. It has everything, including our Patreon and our TikTok and <laughs> the way to our Discord channel and all of those fun things that we would love to talk to you on. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Stay spooky.